Thank you for listening to the Mutual Audio Network. Please don't turn that dial. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Audio drama in the age of Arthur. The Table Round. This king lay at Camelot nigh on Christmas With many lovely lords of leaders the best Reckoning of the round table All the rich brethren With right ripe revel and reckless mirth The Immortal Legends of the Table Round Chapter 10 Of the Tale of the Christmas Cherries The spirit of Yuletide has descended over all of Britain, touching hearts from Camelot in the south all the way up to the cold, rocky islands of Northern Orkney. Sandalwood, Panic Grass, Longwood, Hmm, Dash of Elderberry Root. Smells pleasant. For once, one of Morgan's recipes might be worth something. Now, a little moss from a druid's grove, a piece of beeswax, and of course, the final ingredient. Get in there. Stop fighting. You will get in there, and you will like it. Horrible creature. You scratched me. Miserable, filthy beast. Oh, I hope it hurts in there. Mother? Mother? Ah. What is it, Gareth? Do you know what day it is? Oh, I don't know. Thursday... It's Christmas Day. Oh, yes. I suppose it is. Well, Gawain said... Gawain said. Gawain said. Wonderful Gawain. What next? Are you going to become a devout little Christian like Gawain? Abandon your mother to serve your wonderful Christian uncle? Beg forgiveness from the eunuch priests? No, ma'am. It's just that Gawain told me that on this day, Christians give the people they love a present. Oh, and what do you want? Don't I feed and clothe you? Don't you live in a castle with all the servants you need? Do you lack for boots or weapons? What? No, I... I made this for you. And what is that? Well, I overheard you and Aunt Morgan talking about how you wished you could catch a unicorn. So I carved this for you. Look at that. A little unicorn. You're quite skilled. I made it out of driftwood. The horn is a bit of quartz. Thank you, Gareth. Happy Christmas, Mother. Happy Christmas, Gareth. <laughs> 
You know, Lady Anid, they say if you make a wish when you take your first part of Christmas mince pie, that wish will come true. <laughs> also, Tristan, perhaps you'll sing to me later, and then maybe my wish will come true. But I need my hands to use my harp. And that means I'd have to put down my meat. And I wouldn't want to insult the king by not indulging in his generosity with his libations. The king might appreciate it if you left him any meat at all at the end of the night. I'd ask him if he'd ever stop dancing. The queen really should share him with the rest of us. Oh, Tristan, where's your sense of romance? Look at them. They're so happy. I guess I'm just not the romantic type. The finest harper and the most handsome man in the kingdom is not the romantic type. Is there no justice in the world? Well, lady, it's just that... Sir Caradoc! Don't sit there! It's the Siege Perilous! It will kill you or something if you're not the chosen one. Oh, sorry! I forgot! That magic chair is more trouble than it's worth. I don't know what's worse. That it just might set a good night on fire, or that it's a constant reminder that none of us are truly worthy knights. I don't know, Sir Ector. Let me drink a little more mead and I might just give it a try. Pride goeth before the fall, Sir Tristan. This reminds me of a story. It was story. back... What a grand idea. King Arthur, we should <sighs> have a Christmas story. <sighs> I love that idea, Lady Enid. A story is a fine idea. Gives me a chance to rest my feet. Where is Merlin? Over by the Yule Log. He just keeps staring at it. Merlin, come over here. Grab a goblet and tell us a tale. And what would my king want to hear? A tale of a golden age? Of Hector and Achilles? Or the Hyborians and the Pictish wilds after the sinking of Atlantis? Perhaps of the wars of the Tuatha de Danann? Or the deeds of Baldor the Brave? Judas and Maccabees? No man, a Christmas tale! Full of cheer and goodness! Would you, Merlin? It would be delightful. <laughs> if my queen command. Listen, lords, and you will hear of ancestors in the time of King Arthur's father, Uther Pendragon. He had a knight in his service named Sir Clagius. Now, Clagius was a man of high stature and great might, and there was no more courteous and generous a knight in all the world. He gave gold to squires who had fought in wars and had fallen into poverty. He treated his tenants well, never quarreling or punishing them. His stores were plentiful, and food was given to every man who came to him. Help yourself, friends! There's plenty of food to go around. <laughs> the knight had a noble wife named Dame Clarice. A better and more beautiful lady might not be alive, full of goodness and glad cheer all day and night. Have you had a penny, my lady, for a poor blind beggar? Oh, uh, here you are, sir. Take this golden ring off my finger. You need it more than I. May the peace of the Lord bless you, sir. Thank you, my lady. May all the Lord's blessings fall on you. Every year, Sir Clagius held a feast in honor of Christmas. Rich and poor were invited, and no one refused to come. Merry Christmas. Blessed be he who created all of the world. There was much mirth, 
And when the feast was over, the minstrels received gifts of horses, robes, and other things. Though his fortunes began to slacken off, noble Sir Clagius continued to hold the feasts. Thank you for another year, sire, of feasting and cheer. Merry Christmas, wife. Merry Christmas, husband. As the years passed, Clagius mortgaged his manners to defray his debt, and in this way held feasts for many years for both nobles and commoners in the name of God Almighty. His manners were all sold except one, which was of such little value that he and his wife could barely live. Merry Christmas, wife. Merry Christmas, husband. One Christmas Eve, Sir Clagius was woefully remembering the mirth he used to bring. As he walked, he heard a sound of trumpets, pipers, and harpers in the distance. He wrung his hands, moaning and sighing. Heaven's king who made all things out of nothing, I thank you for your grace. I was able to make mirth in this time for your sake. I fed rich food and good drink to all who came in your name, free and bondsmen. They lacked nothing, and I spared no expense. My true wedded companion, I hear well what you mean, but it doesn't help to have such sorrowful thoughts. Cease your sorrow, and let us go to our humble dinner together, and be as joyful as we can. When they had eaten, they spent the day in mirth as best they could. After their meal, Clagius went to walk alone in the nearby garden. He knelt in prayer and thanked God with all his heart for all he had. He reached for a bough of the cherry tree under which he was kneeling to help himself stand. And when he caught it, he found green leaves and many uh, berries. What kind of berries can these be growing at this time of year? I have never seen a tree bear fruit in this season, anywhere I've been. This is the finest cherry I have ever tasted. So he rushed home to show the miraculous berries to his wife. Oh, Clagus, this is a sign of goodness. Let's fill a basket with the fruit, and tomorrow you shall go to present it to the king as a show of gratitude for his fine rule. I am blessed with a spouse as wise as you. Now Clagus had no horse for his journey, so he took a staff as to the poor. He went right to Cardiff on Christmas Day and went straight to the castle gate. But Clagus was dressed in poor, simple clothing, and the porter scornfully told him to leave at once. Leave at once, you shabby beggar. Otherwise, by God, I will break your head. If you come in any farther, you'll regret it. Off with you now. I pray you to let me in, for I have brought the king a gift from him who made all things out of nothing. Look! Egads! What luscious fruit! The king will give great gifts for this present. You shall not pass this gate, believe you me, unless you grant me a third part of what the king will give you, be it silver or gold or jewels. Uh, if I must, I must. I agree to your covenant. Smart man. Now Clagus entered the walls of the castle, but when he approached the great door to the keep, he saw the king's butler standing with a staff. Get out of my sight, churl! Shoo! 
or I shall beat you about the head and body without mercy. Good sir, cease your angry manner, for I have brought a present for the king. Last night this fruit grew, which is noble and good. Look in this basket to see if I am false or true. By sweet Mary, those are the fairest cherries I have ever seen. Oh. Oh, my stars and garters. Oh, delicious. Mmm, mmm. Oh, I tell you surely that you will not step into this hall unless you agree to give me a third of whatever the king rewards you for these excellent cherries. Sir Clagius said no more, but immediately agreed. It could be no other way. Then Sir Clagius, with a heavy expression, took his basket into the hall. At the door to the king's hall was a kitchen maid, holding a stout stick. You dirty cur! Why do you come here unbidden? You are too bold. I advise you to withdraw immediately to whatever hole you crawled out of. Lady, in the spirit of this day, the birth of our lord, I have brought a grand present for the king. Now, you will not have my say unless you grant my demand. What is it? By my fortune, I will have a third part of the king's gift, or else go throw yourself out. Sir Clagius thought to himself, If I should share between three men, I will have nothing for all my work. Have you no tongue? Speak to me, or I'll beat your rags into your back and shove you out headlong. It shall be as you say. Whatever the king gives in reward, you shall have the third part, no less or more. Finally, Clagius was allowed into the great hall, and went up to the king quickly, and he proffered his present, kneeling before him. He uncovered the basket and showed the bright cherries to the king. Our saviour sent you this fruit with great honour, growing this day on earth, and I, your humble servant, bring it to you. I thank you, sir, for here is a fair novelty. You have honoured all my guests, greatest and least, with your gift. By God, I will grant you whatever you will have, whether your heart desires land holdings, coin, or other goods. This is a high thing for someone like me. To grant me land holdings or any goods, by God, is too much for me. For the cherries were from God, not from me. But if I shall choose for myself, I ask for nothing. Nothing? Uh, nothing but this. I want you to give me three slaps to the face. What? You would be better taking gold or garments, for which you have greater need. It is your own granting. I cannot be denied. Hmm. No, sir. I don't like it at all, but if you insist, slaps it shall be. May I remove my rings first? Uh, I must beg of your majesty a moment. I will return shortly, and then receive my reward. And Clages went to fetch the porter, and the butler, and the kitchen maid, and brought them into the main hall. And what is this all about, sir? Uh, my king, I was not to be allowed inside unless I granted each of these servants a third part of what you would give me. By that I would have nothing myself. Truly, I thought it best to divide among them your great gift. I see. 
And are the three of you here to receive your boon? Yes, my king. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, my king. Yes, my most gracious king. <laughs> All right, then. Merry Christmas. Oof! And a happy new year. Ow! And you, mate, turn around. And now be gone from my sight, all of you. <laughs> yes, my lord. With your leave, my lord. Sire. Bless you, sire. Merry Christmas. And great joy and revelry filled the hall, and Sir Glages sat by the fire, remembering his own days of grand festivals, while a harper sang to please the king. Descender's night I saw a sight, a star as bright as day. And there among a maiden song, lay by by lay. My dear mother, thou hold me warm, and keep me night and day. And if I weep and may not sleep, thou sing by by Harper, you may often hear much since you travel afar. Tell me truly, do you know this poor man who gave me these miraculous cherries? My liege, in truth men used to call him Clegus. He was a knight of yours, I think. When he was full of fortune and grace, he was a man of great worship. That is indeed not him. But it is, sire. I sung at many a feast he threw, and his goodly wife gifted me this fine cloak I'm wearing now. But Clegus was... Fat and jolly. He was believed dead a long time. I wish to God he was still with me, he was so brave and so good. This fellow is thin with a grey beard. Bring the poor fellow before me again. And again, Clagis was brought before Lord Uther Pendragon. Tell me now, good man, what is your name? My liege, I was once called Sir Clagis. I was your own true knight. Are you truly my knight who served me so nobly, with such prowess? Weren't you fat? Oh, yes, Lord, <laughs> until this poverty has become my destiny. No knight of such nobility and might should fall on such misfortune. Let me correct this egregious wrong. Bring Sir Clagus a fine robe, and someone get him a good set of boots. Now, Clagus, I have a castle in Cardiff in need of a castellan. You shall have it with all its incomes to hold with peace and security. My my lord, I... And you shall be steward of all the lands and forests. And uh, take this golden cup for your fine wife, Dame... Dame... Uh... Uh, Clarice. Clarice! To show her my appreciation for her goodness and virtue. Sir Clagis was held to be a noble steward by all men, young and old, who knew him wherever he went in the land. His lady and he lived many years with joy and cheer until God sent for them. For the goodness they did here, their souls went to shining heaven, where there is joy without end. Thank you for such a fine tale, Merlin. I, for one, am filled with Yuletime cheer. Indeed, and it had a good moral for us all. That it did. Don't be too generous or it will ruin you. Now, Tristan... Sir Tristan... I'm merely jesting. (laughs) Sir Lucan! 
We need more mead to assail out here. Oh, and we need another song. Merry Christmas, Arthur. Merry Christmas, my love. and I play Dame Clarice. The tale of Sir Clagus comes from 15th century manuscripts from the East Midlands of England. The tale was probably performed by minstrels of that era given that one of the main motifs of the story is how Clagus's generosity is extended to all minstrels, wandering members of medieval society whose duties served as the only real crossover between noble society and the lower classes. They performed their tales and were rewarded by the audience in the form of garments, food or other items of value, so a story that celebrated a man who was generous to minstrels would be of special import to them. Written by Morgan Z. Soul. Produced by Lindsay Smith. Post-production by James Payton. Featuring Chandler Walpole, Blair Parmalee, Olivia Steele and Sonny Asadi. Also featuring Cathy Vargas, Jackson Trent, Rich Matheson... Witty Cranfield, David Kendall and Seth Binderup. Your narrator was Nicola Branch. In the next chapter of the Immortal Tales of the Table Round, Sir Gawain heads off in the pursuit of the magical White Heart and the mysterious huntress Vivian is rescued from her captors. And Merry Christmas from all of us at the Table Round. Somewhere in the lush pastures just outside the Mutual Audio Network building. We're staying away again in Mad Doggeritaville. Lothar, give me the bottle. No. Now. No. Jack said we had to do this. For the AD community. Hey, Jan, we got your text. Hey, yeah, what's up? You said Brother Lothar needed us? Thanks, Jeff, Jack. Uh... Yeah, Lothar. He's 
Well, really wasted. And he won't stop drinking. I think this one's going to take all three of us. Well, I know he likes his cocktails, but isn't this a bit early, even for him? And why is he singing about Mad Dog 2020? Jan, what's this about? Lothar, overheard you talking about Mad Con 2020, and, well, he misheard. Wait, are you saying that... Yeah, he thought you said there'd be three days of Mad Dog 2020, not three days of Mad Con in 2020, and he's been drinking that swill ever since. Oh, let me talk to him. Thanks. I tried to tell him, but I think that stuff's already rotted what's left of his brain. Here, I'll take one for the team. <laughs> hey, brother. Hey, Jeff. You here for some Mad Dog 2020? Um, yeah, but uh, they were out at the store. Can I have a uh, swig off yours? Of course, brother. Lothar, you shouldn't be drinking that. I'm not. <laughs> Jeff is. <laughs> No, 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 no. I mean, look, you heard us talking about Mad Dash Con 2020, not Mad Dog 2020. Uh, what's your bucket? Oh, 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 this stuff is almost as bad as Ripple. Mad Dash Con, the modern audio drama convention. It's the first convention of its kind, and it'll occur in 2020. A convention? Yes, yes. Producers, directors, writers, editors, composers, actors, and and fans of audio drama are going to come from all over to Halifax, Nova Scotia for the weekend of July 24th to the 26th of 2020. We have all sorts of things scheduled. We have recording sessions and workshops, panels, and the opportunity for folks, fans, and creators alike to meet in person. www.mad-con.com That's mad-con.com has all the details, including how to register. That's... That was a really cool idea, man. Oh, that's much better than drinking this stuff. Oh. God, I've only had three sips and I'm not sure I can feel my face. Oh. Come on, honey, let's get you back inside. Thanks, guys. No problem, Lady Jan. We're not going to let him live this one down anytime soon, are we? Oh, I should think not. (laughs) 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 Yeah. (laughs) Remember to listen and drink responsibly, listeners. Mad Dash Con 2020. Not to be confused with any kind of fortified wine. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.